Hi, we are Fusion Church located in Fishkill, New York. Welcome to our podcast. We are deeply passionate about reaching people with the gospel and seeing lives changed. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message will inspire you and bring you hope. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody today? Super pumped and excited to jump in with you guys to part two of our message series, Achilles Heel. This message series is uh, named and inspired after the uh, mythological Greek warrior Achilles, which was said to be one of the greatest warriors that the world has ever known. And this mighty great warrior was taken down by a single arrow to his Achilles heel. And that's became an idiom in our society today, right? We say Achilles heel, which is a weakness in somebody's character, their integrity, something they overlook in their lives that will cause them to stumble, to fall, and to fail. And this whole message series, we're going to learn from the Bible on how to overcome the Achilles heel, how to have victory through it, how not to allow it to be a weakness that it is in your life. You know, the reality is we, we all serve a mighty God, but there's also a devil who is the enemy of your soul. And he wants nothing more than to fulfill his ministry in your life, which is to rob, kill, steal, and destroy. And his goal is to keep you from the knowledge of salvation. So no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey, whether you're spiritually seeking or you've been saved a really long time, what he wants to do is keep you from the knowledge of God. And how does he do that? By things just not making sense, by, by you being distracted by all the things that you and I experience in the world. And if he can't keep you from the knowledge of God, he's gonna jam you up through distractions through a very busy life. We say this very often here at Fusion Church, right? The enemy's most favorite Christian is a very busy Christian because when I'm really, really busy, I don't have time for what's most important in my life, which is my walk with the Lord, my relationship with God, being kind and generous, giving and serving. And he robs me of all of that and gets me career focused, gets me money focused, paying my bills focused, sin focused. And what we're going to dive into today is the Achilles heel of unaddressed sin in your life. And sometimes sin is very overt. It's obvious, but sometimes sin is not overt. Sometimes we call it an anger issue. Sometimes we call it a communication problem. Sometimes we call it moodiness or we get stuck in our own thoughts, don't we? Somebody does something we didn't like and there's this feeling of offense we caught and then we start to rationalize and write scripts. So I know why they did that. This person believes this. What they really meant was that. And we lie to ourselves in our own mind and create scripts. Those scripts damage relationships. Those stories we write really could be sin because what it does is it hurts your ability to have God-honoring relationships. And, and what we're gonna deal with today is really the unaddressed Achilles heel of sin and things that don't always look like sin. And we doctor it up as other things. And really, we, we, our, our foundation for today's topic is this story of this guy named Achan who had sinned in Israel. And it was one man's sin that brought a whole nation to their knees. And so many of us think like, well, if I sin and nobody knows about it, it doesn't bother anybody. It doesn't impact anybody. It's a victimless sin, right? And sometimes we think, well, that's just me. Only God knows about it. But what we don't realize is that there's things happening in the spiritual realm that you and I may not readily see and our sins and the areas in our lives that we overlook, our Achilles heel, when it comes to the way we communicate and the way we do conflict and anger issues and getting caught in our feelings and all of that, will always go beyond the parameters of your own life. And it will always impact everyone around you. Sometimes we have Achilles heels that out of fear permit us from walking in obedience. 
And we give lots of excuses of why we don't want to do something that honors God. Now this, man, this message today is chock full of wisdom for all of you, no matter where you're at on your spiritual journey. And if you open your heart to God and say, Holy Spirit, would you minister to me today? I believe by faith, God is going to set many of you free. Because there's something in each of our lives, no matter where we're at, God wants to deal with. And there's an Achilles heel and a next step that all of us have to address. Again, no matter where you're at on that journey, there's something you and I have been overlooking. So this guy uh, named Achan, right, he, um, he was part of this battle. And Israel was faced uh, with the battle of Jericho, which by, by all measures of the imagination, there was no way apart from a miracle that they would conquer this mighty, this mighty kingdom, right? This, the, these mighty walls. And it was, it was a battle that they couldn't have won without the hand of God. And as many of you know the story, they marched around it and the walls fell and they went in. And God said, destroy everything. But regarding the plunder, we're going to call those sacred things, right? We're going to call those uh, devoted items. And I don't want you taking any of them for yourselves. So grab all of the riches, bring it back to my temple and give it to me. Now, why did God do that? Because it's not going to be by power or might that you guys take over Jericho. When you guys win this battle against all odds, there will be no mistake. You won this battle by the very hand of God. And you will take no credit for yourself. The problem is with sin, it's so seductive. The problem is sin looks good to the eyes, right? Scripture calls it, uh, what we get uh, seduced by is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We desire sin because it, it, it lies to us and the counterfeit is that it's gonna meet some comfort in us. Not one of you woke up this morning thinking, man, I can't wait to sin to the max today, right? How many of you woke up that way? <laughs> Nobody, Right? But yet we, we stumble and we fall and we make poor choices along the way, really looking for comfort in our lives. So, so now this battle's over. Achan stole these items. He hid them in the floor of his tent. Nobody knew. Only God knew. It couldn't escape the eyes of God. And then they go back to battle again against another people group called I. And this one was an easy layup. They were like, we don't need a miracle for this one. We don't even need our whole army. We're going to send two or 3,000 guys in there and they're going to get so scared, they're just going to give up. So that's what they did. They sent two to 3,000. They go there and they got chased away. 36 soldiers died and they ran out for their very lives. And Israel is on their knees in despair. God, what happened? This was an easy layup. We should have had victory. And here Joshua is on his face before the Lord. So let's turn to Joshua 7, verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things and they have stolen, they have lied. They have put it with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. What you gotta recognize is we, we have this thought in our society that we are completely free and that I have freedom to make my choices. It wasn't years ago, many years ago, that I discovered that my health was not my own. My wife was begging me to take care of my health. My kids were begging me to take care of my health. And I was just like, don't tell me how to eat. I want them chocolate chip cookies and my glass of milk. I'm gonna eat them anyway. 
So I did. And then how many of you know that my health isn't my own? I felt the Holy Spirit come in and my wife said something to me. Did anybody ever make a comment to you that just stuck with you? It was like a thorn in your side. And, they, and Jean Marie was like, you got to take care of your health. God wants to do something with your life. You need to think about that. And that just stuck with me. And I was just like, no, I'm not hearing it. I'm not hearing it. And one day God told me that my health wasn't my own. And I realized in that moment that if I don't take care of me, I'm never going to fulfill God's purpose for my life. And then it even went further than that. And I realized that my health is owed to my wife. If I don't take care of me, I'm going to shorten the duration of our marriage. That, that would be a bad thing, right, honey? <laughs> if I don't take care of me, I'm going to hurt my kids' ability to enjoy me as their father. If I don't take care of me, I'm not going to be the pastor God called me to be. If I don't take care of me, I rob myself of so much. And then I started to realize that every financial decision I make with the money that I worked hard for, money's not my own. It belongs to God. I'm a steward of what belongs to God. But the world doesn't see it that way. And I realized in that moment, if I make a good financial decision, it's going to bless my wife and kids. If I make a poor financial decision, it's going to curse my wife and kids. And then some of us are like, yeah, but what about sins nobody knows about? It's just you and the computer. It's just you and the drugs. It's you and the alcohol. It's done in secret. No one knows. They don't know initially, but eventually it comes out. You see, that's what sin does inside, right? At first you do it, nobody knows. And then a little bit of shame and conviction starts, right? A little bit of guilt. And you're like, man, I'm not proud of the person I am, right? You ever feel that way? Like I expect more from myself. I acted in a way that isn't the me I wanna be, right? It's that kind of moment. And then the shame starts to build up. And then you're like, man, I can't even pray anymore, God. I can't face you anymore, God, but I'm still going to church. And then it's not long before going to church gets uncomfortable. Prayer I don't do, going to church is uncomfortable. And then all of a sudden it starts to lead to depression and anxiety in my life because I'm anxious because I'm not the person that everybody expects me to be, but I have inner dissonance and conflict because a person that I am behind closed doors isn't the person I'm at on the stage of life. And now we start to dislike ourselves and reject ourselves and our self-esteem goes low. And then we start to really reject ourselves. And then when we don't like us, we don't like anybody else. And we start judging people. And then we start acting out, we start pushing people away. We start isolating ourselves. And that's how sin works in your life. And, and the reality of what Achan did was he sinned in a way no one knew but God. And it brought a whole group of people, a whole nation to their knees. And what you hide, what you protect, your Achilles heel, what you excuse, well, it's not that bad. It's not a big deal. What is it going to cost you? And are you willing to pay it? Are you willing to pay it? And here's the good news. And when you repent, say, God, here it is. God, this is what I've done. God, this is what I'm doing. God, I don't want to be that person anymore. Scripture says he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness and cleanse you as if you had never sinned. That's the beauty of the gospel. You don't have to live that way anymore. But Achan, he stole and brought a people to their knees. And what's interesting is, this is why Israel can't stand against their enemies. The presence of an undressed Achilles heel in your life will hinder the power of your prayers. Like, God, I'm praying, and you're not answering because there's unaddressed sin in my life. There's a number of reasons in scripture why our prayers are robbed of strength. And it's not that God has turned his back. He hasn't. It's not that God's not listening. He is. The challenge is, God, I want from you what I want, but I'm not willing to live in obedience. And we end up putting this wall up between us and God that doesn't permit the blessing to flow. And God's holding it. And he's like, this blessing is for you, but you need to tear down the walls you've created that stand before you and I. You see, we can't have victory in life 
unless we face that Achilles heel. That's hurting your life and your relationships. And for some of us, it's not overt sin. It's my bad mood that I'm in chronically. It's my anger response. It's my overreacting. It's my giving into my feelings in spite of truth. It's my narrative and script writing in my head that, that causes me to push people away when in reality, I'm just making stuff up. And then I'm getting upset about what I made up. And then I'm hanging it over their head as if it's true. And one man or woman can bring a whole family and a church to their knees. And God wants to expel it from your life because he wants to bless you. He wants to bless your children. He wants to bless your family. He wants to bless your church. And he wants to bless your community. Verse 13, this is what he says to Joshua. Go and consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies unless you remove them. You see, I think we get this idea of God's rules and sin all wrong, right? I I think we do. Some of us view God's rules, which are supposed to protect us from sin, and sin is a violation of God's commandments, right? I mean, that's what it is. And we get it wrong, and some of us are like, well, God just doesn't want us to have any fun. Why is this so bad? You know, I'm a father of four adult children, but when they were small, uh, we go hiking a lot. And I would tell my kids often, I would say, hey, you know what? Don't walk on the edge of that creek. There's a slope there. You're, you're going to fall into the creek. And then we'd go hiking and there'd be like a swamp on one side of the trail, a swamp on the other, and they're walking the edge. And I'm like, don't do that. You're going to fall in the mud. So after once, after twice, I'm like, God, you gave me broken kids. They don't listen, right? And then they didn't listen. And I'm like, you know what? It's on you. And then they would fall in the water or they would fall in the mud. And I'm like, if you would have just listened to me, I would have protected you from yourself. And what felt good and fun at the time is going to get your mom really mad. So then I would bring these sloppy, messy kids home. I would be like, honey, they don't listen. Look what they did. And she was like, why'd you let them play in the mud? What? I was like, they don't listen. Right? And then it went back and forth like that, right? And the reality is that's how we often are with God. God gives rules to protect you from yourself because let's not forget sin, these Achilles heels that we protect and we don't deal deal with. The reason why we don't deal with it is because there's something appealing about letting it persist. What's appealing? Sin might be desirable. What's appealing? I don't want to address that because I'm afraid of what might come out. Well, I got a bad mood. I got an anger issue. But really, my anger issue is rooted in trauma. But I allow it to stay in my life because I don't want to deal with the trauma of my past. And I allow it to persist. And we don't realize that little by little, it's costing you something deep in your life. So, so here's a couple truths that we can gather from the story with Israel and Achan. Here's truth number one about sin. God gives us rules to protect you from you. Sin is selfish and it leads to self-worship. That's what sin does, right? It's saying, God, I don't want the real fix you have for me because it's not on my terms. So I'm gonna take possession over something that's dishonoring to you because it makes me feel good now. Selfish, self-serving. At any given point, we have a choice. We're gonna serve God, we're gonna serve ourselves. Number two, sin destroys us and others always. There's no secret sin That's just yours and yours alone. It impacts everybody around you. We also learn that sin is never an isolated event. It's not. It's got those ripple effects, right? It's not isolated. It impacts everybody in your life. The second thing is what you protect, that Achilles heel that we're not dealing with, it doesn't escape God's eyes ever. It doesn't. God sees it. 
You can't conceal it from God. And God is not a condemning God. The devil condemns. God brings life and hope. And he wants to free you from the thing that has been plaguing you all your life. And we've asked the questions. Man, I got to get through this anger. I got to get through this frustration. I got to deal with my feelings. I got to deal with the sin issue in my life that nobody knows about. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are made well. Given grace through Jesus' sacrifice, forgiveness of sins, and then empowered with Holy Spirit, to be able to help you to live the life God has called you to. But it has to start with a choice, a decision, a crossroads. Am I willing to pay the cost of this sin? Unaddressed Achilles heel in my life that doesn't look like sin. And guys, it's gonna cost you something at first until eventually it costs you everything. Has it cost you your character? Making right decisions, your integrity? Being the same person in all places? Being trustworthy? Has it, has it costed you relationships? Has, it, has that thing brought damage into your relationships, into your relationship with your loved ones, your family, your, your spouses? Has it hurt your relationship with God? And, and that's what sin does. You see, at first it's deceptive. It's only a little bit. It's not a big deal, right? I don't have to really deal with that Achilles heel. It's not as bad as I'm told it is. It's not as bad as I think, right? It's just a little bit. And what you've got to realize when God wants to bless you, he sends a seed into your life, a seed of hope, a seed of faith truth of the gospel, and then we have a choice. Do we water it? Do I go to church? Do I listen to worship music? Do I surround myself with people who are going to water the seed God put? And God, when he wants to bless you, he sends a seed. You got to water it. When the devil wants to curse you, he sends a seed too. And if you water it, it's going to grow because what you water grows, what you starve dies. And what we got to recognize is that that's the issue with sin, right? It, it, your heart is like soil, the seed is sown, and right now it's not a big deal, but then the seed itself starts to grow beneath the surface of the ground, and when it looks like nothing's happening, something actually is happening, and, and, the, and the seed itself is, is building this infrastructure of stability, its own foundation, and before it pops through the ground, and you realize, oh, this is a problem, it's like trying drugs for the first time, oh, it's only a little bit of heroin, it's no big deal, and then all of a sudden it's controlling my life, it's only a little bit of pornography, and now it's hours every night. It's only a little bit of flirting. Now it's an affair. It's only a little bit of poor financial spending. And Amazon loves me. They just come to my house and deliver boxes day after day. Like just a little bit. Just a little bit. But, but the foundation is growing. And then it breaks through the ground. And it's only a little shoot. But that shoot grows quickly. And it's over time you're going to notice that what you thought was bringing you comfort, you will eventually serve. It's gonna demand you to serve it. And we spend so much time in our lives focusing on here and now and our careers and paying our bills. We spend so little time thinking about eternity. And that's really what this is all about, right? This is a life-giving message to bring hope to your soul that there is a better way that you can live the life God has called you to live. But you know what? I can't live it doing the things that I've been doing, allowing in my life, right? Because if I do allow these things, it's spiritual self-harm. Now, we all know what self-harm is, right? It's an attack on oneself in response to inner pain. Well, what about spiritual self-harm? I starve myself of my walk with God. I don't pray. I don't go to church. I don't do these things. Or, or you know what? Like, somehow I'm hurting myself spiritually by what I allow in, thoughts and philosophies, and, man, I put myself down. You know, some of you are your worst critics. You don't need an enemy in your life. You've been beating yourself up all these years. It's just it's self-harm. It's spiritual and emotional self-harm in our lives. And the challenge is, once it becomes a shoot, it grows fast. When we don't address the Achilles heel of sin in our lives or the things that don't even look like sin but lead to destruction, we don't realize what the cost is initially but you will pay the cost in full. 
And you'll recognize what that cost is when you're done paying it. And nobody wants to be at that place in their life. And we can't kid ourselves. What you don't deal with, it is that bad. God cares about details. God cares about the little things in your life that that are there that don't permit you to walk in obedience. Some of us choose not to be in obedience because of fears and anxieties and how things will turn out. And God is saying, would you trust me? Would you give it to me? Would you walk with me? And you and I are at that crossroads. Like, God, am I gonna walk with you or I'm not? So how do we identify the Achilles heel of sin in our lives or that undressed Achilles heel that we don't recognize as sin? Three questions. I want you guys to open up your notes. It's in your your app as well, your church app. But I'm gonna ask you a series of three questions and I want you guys to write down what God shows you. Let's just pray for a moment. Holy Spirit, would you minister to us, God, as we open our hearts to your truth. Lord God, so many of us have put veils up and we've closed our ears to things and Uh, may we have a spirit of courage, Lord God, that you've given us a spirit of courage, Lord God, to move forward in faith. May we hear from you. May we own it, Lord God, and may we trust you for the deliverance. In your name, Jesus, amen. Write this down, the answer to this question. Number one, what is it I allow in my life that I'm not proud of? What is it I allow in my life that I'm not proud of? Stop looking over your shoulder to the person next to you. Don't look at their phone, right? What do I allow? that I'm ashamed of. Number two, what behaviors do I have in my life that others are concerned about? What has your wife told you? What has your husband told you? What have your siblings told you that, hey, this is an issue, you need to work on it because it's not working for us. It's not working for me. It's causing damage. And so many of us respond in pride. And here's pride, this is what it sounds like. Don't tell me how to live, don't tell me what to do, or worse yet, we point the finger. Well, I only do this because you do that. Or you never look at yourself. Let's humble ourselves and be teachable. Let me lean into that. And man, you're concerned about me because you love me so much? It's a hard shift. Number three, what seems to get me in trouble? Or what has gotten me in trouble? Write those down. Because you've got to realize God wants you to be the one to break the curse of sin in your life. And the power to do that is from God, but the door you choose to open. I remember in scripture uh, when Cain's sacrifice was rejected, he was angry. He devised a plan to kill his brother. We all know how that story turned out, right? Cain killed Abel. But God went to him first. And he said, Cain, why is your heart downcast? Why is your face dismayed? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? Won't you be forgiven? Just do what's right. You'll get my forgiveness, my grace, my mercy. Cain, I'm for you. God is telling you that today. He's for you. And then he said, be on guard. Say on guard. This is what he said. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. I gotta be honest with you guys, that blew my mind. Sin desires to have me, which means, are we dealing with a spirit of sin? All sin is demonic. All sin is inspired by the evil one, Satan himself. What you struggle with desired you before you desired it. It actually seeks you out. It tempts you, the devil, so that you can open the door. And then God said to him, be on guard, you must master it, which means it's crouching at your door. Don't open the door. Address the Achilles sin. Don't leave it unaddressed in your life. I said sin, Achilles heel. Like it's there ever knocking. Do I open the door to the evil one? Or do I keep it closed? Do I open the door to God? Or do I keep it closed? It's a choice you and I got to, to, got to make, right? So, so where does sin start, right? That's a question we all have. Now, ultimately, a low-hanging fruit here. Sin starts with the fall of men, right? Sin entered the world, 
And now we all have a default setting where we desire sin. And we desire sin for two reasons, really. Maybe a couple, but, but two big primary reasons. One, some sin is just appetite for, for, for our stomachs, right? We desire it. Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. But the other type of sin is a reaction to humanity and brokenness. We sin toward each other with a bad mood, with an angry response, with not being life-giving in our conversation. We put each other down. We blame each other. We do all of that to protect ourselves because we've been beaten up by life, right? So that's kind of the origin of sin. But where does the day-to-day sin you and I deal with, where does that start in our lives? It starts in your thoughts, understand how the enemy attacks you. What he goes after in you is your mind. And we call that an intrusive temptation. Jesus faced this in the desert, didn't he? Right, Jesus goes in the desert and the enemy of his soul, Satan, right, came to attack him because he was 100% man. So he had the capacity to fall and yet Jesus never sinned. And he used the power of the word and faith to repel the evil one, which means you have access to do that, right? Through the name of Jesus, we have authority over every principality, demonic force. The problem is we don't lean into that. The enemy comes and attacks through an intrusive thought and we feed it. A seed was sown and I water it with fantasy. I water it with hanging out with the thought. And all of a sudden it starts to grow in my mind. Matthew 15, 19 says this, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false testimony, and slander. Where does sin come from? Right here. And so many of us are focused on like behavioral modification, right? I'll just change my behaviors. Changing behaviors, don't change this. You're gonna keep that stuff coming out of you until this changes. You wanna know who someone is? Look at their behavior because it tells you what's in their heart. You want to know who you are? Look in the mirror. And if you don't like your actions, your thoughts, your behaviors, you have a heart problem. And here's the good news. Holy Spirit can change the heart. Man can't change the heart of men. Jesus brings life to a broken, dying heart. And where do you come in in this moment? It's like, God, I invite you in to change my heart. I'm a sinner. I've fallen short of the glory of God. And rather than condemnation, which is what the enemy does, God gives us grace, mercy, acceptance, affirmation, validation. And he calls you child. You approached him as a sinner and you walk away with a new name. I'm a child of the living God. My God, my father, my daddy in heaven loves me. So what's the process? After it's deposited the seed of sin, the temptation, the intrusive thought, how does it grow? This is what James 1.15 says. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death after it conceives, right? He's using the illustration of pregnancy. You see, when someone gets pregnant, something was deposited and it enters the egg, right? That's how, how it works, right? And, and what happens is our, our hearts are like this, this fertile ground. And if the seed is deposited and allowed to settle in beneath the surface, conception happens, and remember that the, the, the roots start to grow? Or are we like Jesus? Where we're like, man, I have authority over this in the name of Jesus. I'm not in agreement with this. I reject sin. I reject this thought. I'm not living with this. And we make a decision in faith and God blesses us with supernatural ability. That's called anointing, right? And we walk into that. But so many of us allow it to sink in. And this is the warning. Once you allow it to sink in, something happened. It's, it's conceived in your heart. But then something starts to grow inside of you. It's like a baby, right? You're carrying this this baby of sin in you and it's starting to impact the way you live your life, right? When when women are pregnant, what happens in the first uh, trimester? You can't see anything. Skinny, right? The the way they were before pregnancy is how they look. But they start vomiting. 
They start getting sick. Their body starts not feeling well, right? They get morning sickness. Then they go into the second trimester and you still may not see anything yet. But now all of a sudden they're like, I want watermelon and peanut butter, right? I want tuna fish and ice cream. Like, that's disgusting. I don't know why you want that, but all right. Just keep her happy or she'll devour you, right? In that moment, because she's hormones are everywhere. But it starts to change you. And then by the third trimester, baby belly's out. You're about to give birth to this thing. And then scripture says, once you've given birth to sin, when it's full grown, it gives birth to death. So temptation is seduction. Overlooking it is allowing it to grow. And when it grows, it demands that you serve it. That's the death. See, in an extreme sense, we sin, we allow the Achilles heel to persist in our lives, and then we just maybe deny God, right? You can't have forgiveness, you can't have the Father, except through Jesus Christ, the Son. That's what scripture says, right? So if we don't confess our sins... He, can't, he doesn't cleanse us of all unrighteousness unless there's repentance first and faith in Jesus, right? So it's those two requirements. So if we live a life apart from God, we're damned. But many of us as believers, right, we have the forgiveness of God. Scripture says nothing and no one can snatch us from the hand of God. You're saved, but we still allow these things to happen. And what's robbed from you is your God-given purpose and potential. You see, when sin starts, it starts small. It's weak, but as it grows, it demands that eventually you serve it and it will devour you. There's a story of a man uh, named Michael Prasek in the uh, UK. He was 34 years old. And this guy thought it was a great idea to go out and buy a lion cub. And it was the most cutest little thing in the world. It was like a big stuffed animal plush. This is it at nine years old, that lion, absolutely gorgeous. Never showed an ounce of aggression ever in its life. He loved this lion like it was his own kid. Then he was inspired because the lion decided to one day say, hey dad, I want to start a family. So he went out and bought this lioness, right? Lioness. There you go. And it's so cute. He's sitting there hugging a 450-pound predator with three-and-a-half-inch teeth. It was only weeks later that they found him in the cage completely devoured. He was eaten by his lions that loved him, or so he thought. And this is a lot what sin is like. It looks so appetizing in the beginning, but in the end, Scripture says... It's going to devour you and I. I see this so many times, people talking themselves into things and out of things. And and really what we do is we talk ourselves into justifying why sin is okay. I've seen so many marriages on the rocks, finances on the rocks. Well, if I just spend this money now, it's going to make me feel good now, but the outcome is we're struggling financially. I've seen so many people say, oh, it's it's just a work friend and work friend turns into flirt friend and flirt friend turns into fantasy and fantasy is this person is better than what I have at home. Where's that go? Death, oftentimes of a relationship. It's weak and then it gets stronger. And the problem is it actually impacts others, not just us, right? So we're understanding the cost of sin. But there's this thing called generational sin or a generational curse. A lot of people ask me about that. Well, what in the world is that? And it goes back to Numbers 14, 18. This is what it says. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, forgiving the iniquity and transgressions, but he will by no means clear the guilty. Let's just stop there. This is the faithfulness of God. He will forgive you. He's faithful and just to do that. Don't condemn yourself. If you've sinned, it's really easy. Jesus, I repent, take it from me. He's faithful and just to forgive you because he loves you. He loves you more than his wrath. He loves you so much he doesn't want to judge you. So we go to God. But if we don't go to God in forgiveness, it says by no means will he clear the guilty, right? So without Jesus in repentance, we remain 
guilty. Visiting the iniquity, this is the messed up part, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on their children to the third and fourth generation. Like this, like messed me up, like when I didn't understand it, right? I was like, God, that's messed up. If I sin, my kids are gonna be punished for it. It's not really what it meant in the Hebrew. Let's, let's go to another version of scripture. This is what it says. The same exact context. The same, the same verse. Adonai is slow to anger, rich in grace, forgiving offenses and crimes, and yet not exonerating the guilty, but cursing, but causing the negative effects of the parents' offenses to be experienced by the children, even to the third and fourth generation. So what it's saying here is not that if a parent messes up, that the curse is, that God is putting the curse on their children. What it's actually saying here is that when the parents mess up and they don't repent and they don't stop generational sin, that the impacts of their behaviors will be experienced as a consequence upon their children. And that's not God doing it. It's you and I who are responsible for it. Here's an example. If I make bad financial decisions, my kids will suffer. And God will allow them to experience the pain of the parent. Well, how's that fair? The, the reality is all suffering in life is due to sin. Most of our suffering are choices we've made ourselves. The second origin of your suffering is behaviors of others that have impacted you. It's just the way sin works. And God reminds you that he's faithful and just to forgive you if you would be cleansed by sin through Jesus, right? That's, that's the gospel message. But if you repel God, if you push God away and you continue to sin... The consequences of your sin will bear heavy upon your children to the third and fourth generation. That's what a generational sin is or a generational curse. And what God is speaking to each of you right now is, will you be the generation that will break the curse for your children, for your nieces, for your nephews, for your church, for your community? Will you be the generation that says, door closed to the enemy, door open to God. Jesus, come on in, forgive me of my sins. I choose to live differently. You see, if I hand down a value system of hard working to my kids and they can appreciate that, they're gonna be blessed. They're gonna, they're gonna learn what's caught, right? Not what's taught. I'm gonna say that again. We learn what's caught, not what's taught. Caught meaning I've experienced it, I've seen it. So now I've taken that habit onto my own. Talk goes only so far, right? So if I hand down that value, my kids are gonna grow from it. If I hand down a poor communication pattern or a poor work ethic, my kids are gonna live those out as well in their life. You see, what was handed down to me and my family of origin was poor financial decisions. What was handed down to me and my family of origin was that every generation before my wife and I had an affair, what was handed down uh, throughout the generations was that if somebody upset somebody, they would cut each other off. They would backbite each other. They would attack each other. Let me tell you, Christmas at the Italian Palazzo house was rough. The Italian is tough. And then I came to know Jesus and I realized in my family of origin, these are the values that were handed down. Some were good. Many were good. Some were not so good. But when I became a follower of Jesus, I am no longer part of the family of my origin. I'm now in the family of Jesus. And with the family of Jesus comes a new culture, a new belief system, a new values. And I have to choose to be in line with how God chose to live his life and me follow him. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus than in the way my parents lived their lives. I'm not gonna do what they did before they knew Jesus. I'm not gonna do what the generations have handed down. My kids are gonna be blessed because I chose a different path in all these areas of my life. And it's not by man's strength or man's will. It's by the hand of God. God gives me strength to break the curse in our lives. You see, kids learn what's caught, not, 
not what's taught. I remember, um, not remember, sometimes she still does it, Jo Marie. So my wife, Jo Marie, uh, she's really great, but ever since I started dating her uh, back in like eighth grade, we went that far back, okay, 24 years married. She always had this neck thing, right? She went, what you mean, right? This thing with her neck. And sometimes she still does it, but there's like no bad words, right? I, yeah, like, is that right? So, yeah, so it's her sister right there. She knows. Joe's got this neck thing. And then one day I was talking to my kids. Gabby was small. She was like five years old. And I was like, Gabby, I need you to clean up your mess. And she was like, when I'm ready. And I was like, oh no, she's like her mother. Right? It was that kind of moment. And I was like, honey, we got to talk. And I was like, the, our daughter, she's doing the neck thing. And she was like, she didn't learn that from me. I'm like, well, she didn't learn it from me. My neck is stiff. Like, what's going on? So, so kids learn what, what's caught. Not what's taught. And then as I was working through this, because sometimes these are so much fun, they're convicting God. God like gives you that stomach punch of repentance. And it's like, and then there's like a lot of humor in it. And it's just like this whole ride, right? That we go on every Sunday morning. And as I was sitting here, I'm going to age myself. I went back to a commercial that I, rem- that I was reminded by in the 80s that, that so illustrates this truth that, hey, what we do here and now is experienced throughout the generations. Check out this commercial. yours? No, I... Mother said she found it in your closet. I don't know. One of the guys must have... Must have what? Look, Dad, it's not... Where did you get it? Dad, Answer me. Who taught you how to do this stuff? You, all right? I learned it by watching you. Parents who use drugs have children who use drugs. Remembers that commercial? Nobody? God, wow, that was really, I didn't feel that. Okay, we got hands, good, thank God. I was like, yo, did this just bomb? Yo, first service was like me. Yo, listen, if you're Gen Z and Alpha Gen, I'm sorry. I know this was cringeworthy to watch, but the reality is this is the commercials we watched. And we learn it, what's handed down through the generations. But here's the hope you have, that through Jesus Christ, no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey, you could actually stop the curse by simply starting with repentance, by saying, God, here it is. Here's my Achilles heel. Here's my bad mood. Here's my anger problem. Here's my up and down emotions and giving into it, God. I choose obedience, God, but yet I know I can't do it in my own strength. Holy Spirit, will you give me strength to live the life God called me to live. So how in the world do we do that? How do we guard ourselves from sin? Ephesians 5, let's go there. Ephesians 5, verse 1 to 14. This is what it says. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint, say hint, of sexual morality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these things are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Growing up, every time I've heard this verse recited, among you there shouldn't be a hint of sexual morality. That's where it stopped. It seems like everybody wants to stop at that point. In reality, is God is saying there shouldn't be a hint of gossip among you. God is saying there shouldn't be a hint of like poor financial stewardship. There shouldn't be a a hint of mistreating each other. There shouldn't be a hint of uh, just foolish talk and coarse joking and inappropriate language. Like not not a hint of it, not not a speck of it, not not a drop of it, completely nothing. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk. I'm just gonna read that again. Or coarse joking because those we overlook. We rationalize those. God is just a little thing. Oh, it's just a joke. And God is like, I pay attention to the little things because it's the little things that are character defects that will lead to the big things in your life. 
You see, you don't just, we don't just make big mistakes. I mean, you can by accident, but we generally don't. It starts with the little things that are overseen that we write off as no big deal. You're making a big thing about it. Like stop overreacting. And it grows and grows and grows in our lives. Verse five, for this, for this you can be assured, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Like I thought idolatry was just praying to statues and anyone other than God, worshiping statues and anything other than God. And God is like, nope. You want to know what idolatry is? It's foolish talk. Idolatry, it's really clear. It's, it, it, it's immoral behavior. It's a greedy person. It's a gossiper. It's a slander. It's all sin. How could that be idolatry? Because remember, as sin grows, it seems small. But at some point, it's going to take over and wreck your life. It's going to take over your life completely. And, and, and I think the big thing is stop being a salesman to ourselves. Oh, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. Because the moment your character is lost, you've lost everything. But you can walk this following Jesus life by leaning into the spirit. Verse seven says, therefore, do not be partners with them. We're reminded to follow God's examples. For you were once in darkness, but now you are in the light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Verse 10, we're gonna jump there. And find out what pleases the Lord. Let's jump back to verse nine, what pleases the Lord. For the fruit of the light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. You know what that means is, God, I make good choices because they're just good. I avoid bad choices, why? Because it's sin and you don't want me to damage myself or my loved ones. Verse 11, have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. What's the pathway to healing in my life? I have this Achilles heel that was so small, so insignificant. I don't want to talk about it. I haven't talked about it. Your pathway to healing is through exposure. God, here it is. And I'm going to tell somebody about it. Because the best way for you to defend yourself against your Achilles heel is by bringing it out into the light and saying, please hold me accountable for this. Because the more you protect it, the more it's going to grow and it's never going to protect you back. Verse 12, it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes light. Verse 14, This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. If you want God to shine on you, as we wind down this message right now, we're just a moment away from its closure. God is calling you to a point, a crossroads. And he's saying, do you want me to shine on you? If you want me to shine on you, remove the distractions, deal with the Achilles heel, bring it out, repent for it, Don't allow it to persist and keep you from holiness. Trusting God means I'm going to choose to make a better choice, a righteous choice, a good choice, even though I'm afraid. Even though there might be a personal cost, I'm gonna do what's right because it honors you, God. And I'm gonna trust you with the outcome, not my fear. Remember what faith is. Faith is when I expect God to show up. Fear is when I expect the devil to show up in my life. You want healing in your life? You want a breakthrough? You want to remove that Achilles heel so that the enemy no longer sees your vulnerability and attacks you? Bring it out into light. Say, God, here it is, and bring accountability into your life. Talk to somebody about it. Guys, we're here for you. Your pastors are here for you. Your church is here for you. We're here to walk this journey with you. 
but you got to open the door to blessing and close it to sin. It's a choice, knowing that it's not by will or might, but by the very hand of God that you'll experience victory in your life. And the one thing you're responsible for is, here I am, Lord. So as we wind down this morning, I want you guys to close your eyes. We're going to pray together. And I want you to consider this. Consider, do I want God to bring healing into my life? And if your answer to that is yes, if you're at this moment where you're like, God, I need, I want, I desire you to deal with this Achilles heel in my life that I've been overlooking, as an act of faith, everybody's eyes are closed. Just raise your hand and say, God, that's me. I see your hand. Anybody else want healing? I see your hand. Anyone else? I see hands going up all around here. Father God, we just pray to you right now, Lord. In the name of Jesus, forgive us, God, for what we've been harboring, what we've been holding back, Lord God, that we've allowed fear to keep us from making right decisions. Holy Spirit, empower us with godly living. We confess, we repent of our sins. We open our hearts to you, God. And we ask you, Lord, to do in us what you've promised to do, what we trust you to do, what we are incapable of doing. Jesus, we receive you as the Lord and Savior of our lives, our souls. Holy Spirit, strengthen this church, strengthen their families. Lord God, this message is about bringing a blessing into their life and removing a curse. Lord God, may we not walk away from today feeling inspired. It's gonna end at lunch. May we walk away feeling changed, being able to apply what we've learned this morning so that we can live the life you've called us to live. We place our trust and our hope in you this morning, God. Your name, Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. I really hope that you enjoyed that content. My name is Pastor Armando. I want you to do two things. I want you to subscribe to our channel. Make sure you guys go ahead and do that and enjoy more relevant content on the stuff of life that we talk about here at Fusion Church. Second thing is check out our website, www.fusionchurchny.com. Continue to dive into our content and our online community and let's grow together. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. We have a new message that comes out every week. You can click the link in the description below to follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or jump onto our website at fusionchurchny.com for more information. We would like you to be a part of what God is doing at Fusion Church, so please subscribe to our podcast and share it on social media. Make sure you tag us. We want to get to know you and feel free to rate us and leave a review.